This is the Aftermarket Radio Network. Hey everyone, Carm Capriato, Remarkable Results Radio and the Aftermarket Weekly Show. Good to have you here. We're in our week 188 with Brett Fadley. Hey, Brett. Hey, Carm. Brett, appreciate you having me on. Oh, love to have you on. Fadley's Auto Masters and Tires, York, Pennsylvania, Napa Auto Care Center. This is going to be a really, really cool episode. I think it's going to touch the nerve of an awful lot of people that are inside of our industry. But first, I want to thank Dorman Training as we come to you live and on tape from the Dorman Training Studio, sometimes called My Carm Cave. Thanks, Dorman. Automotive technologies of today and tomorrow demand that professional technicians continuously maintain and grow their knowledge and skill sets. If one does not update, they will evaporate. Mastering the changing technologies, adapting new and more efficient testing techniques, and exploring new tooling and equipment applications are just a few challenges. Dorman Training is dedicated to providing the latest information and proven service and repair tips brought to you by some of the nation's best instructors in the company of some of the nation's best technicians. Dorman has been a leader in driving new product solutions for the automotive aftermarket for more than a century with DormanTrainingCenter.com. We also deliver the technical training and insight service professionals need to further their careers and stay current. The automotive industry constantly evolves with technical advancements, making it crucial for technicians to stay updated with the latest trends and techniques. By undergoing comprehensive training, aspiring technicians will equip themselves with the necessary skills and knowledge to excel in their field. In addition to personal technical training throughout the United States, Dorman Training Center delivers online training modules covering a wide variety of topics with new resources rolling out regularly. Whatever your role or experience, you can find helpful information on DormanTrainingCenter.com. Dorman Technical Training covers many of today's advanced automotive systems, including hybrid EV, driver assistance, diagnostics, emission, and complex electronics. Created for working service professionals and taught by ASE certified instructors, classes are held as lunch and learns in the evenings and weekends at on-site locations, as well as available on demand. Bring your knowledge to the next level at DormanTrainingLive.com. Hey, welcome back. Uh, we've got a great story for you from Brett. We just love stories and we learn from them and we sometimes compare our life, our world to them. And uh, we have a perfect example here with Brett on the rule of holes. And the rule of holes is you got to know when to stop digging, right? Oh, I don't know, man. I've dug plenty of holes and sometimes the light keeps getting a little shallower at the end, you know? Yeah, I hear you, man. And uh, this is a rags to riches type story going from zero to hero. Brett has his own podcast on craft brews back in his town. We're going to talk about that a little later, but you got a great business. Parents started it uh, and uh, mom and dad and you and your brother were in it. And then I think your brother is no longer. You bought him out after the parents died, but you were struggling to say, hey, mom, dad, how come we can't buy this piece of equipment? And there were a bunch of things as a son you didn't quite know about the business. Uh, there was a lot to know. So yeah, this is, uh, I've been involved with the business since 1987. So I've been around for quite some time. And um, as the years progressed, you know, and they wanted me to take more responsibilities and stuff. And then unfortunately, my mom was diagnosed with cancer in December of 2013. 
And we all know what the ultimate end for that was. So a bunch of us, you know, my brother and myself kept saying, mom, we need to know what's going on with the business. We're going to need to know all the back end stuff because she didn't let everybody know, even including my father. You know, my dad would come up with an idea and a plan and she'd make it work. And none of us knew how. The 2014, that Christmas was pretty much the last day she was at work. She did pass away in February of 15. And that's when we really, the books were laid in front of me. When I saw what the books were, there was absolutely no money left in the business at all, which was shocking to all of us. But we figured it out. I went through a lot, like your insurances and stuff were all coming due that year. And I said, look, I'm not paying anything until I have a face-to-face and I understand. So we done gave week to week, you know, you still have to do your payroll. You still had certain bills and it's like, okay, so this bill's getting paid this week. That one's going to have to wait. And I left all our, you know, all our vendors and everybody know the situation. Good news is at the end of that year, we had a little bit of a net profit and I didn't know a thing. So Brett, I have a question about where the money went. Was it that you just weren't profitable enough? You really didn't get or understand how to make margin? I'm not sure the whole detail, Karn. I think things were good. And then when, you know, I think it was 2008 was a big crash that we had back then. Business took a little bit of a hit. And I don't know it, you know, they went to training like I do. Now, what did they get out of it? I can't answer that because I wasn't privy to that information in the back end of the business. But um, we don't really know where the money went. It was heartbreaking. You know, 40 plus years in business and we had zero money in the bank. So it was a real heartbreaking situation for all of us. And we were, you know, at wit's end is like, do we close the shop? What do we do? How do we dig ourselves out of it? I didn't personally do it. I guess I personally didn't do it. But, you know, I figured it out to at least get us to the end of that year. You could have quit though, Brett. You could have just said, hey, I'm done with this thing. There's no way we're going to bail ourselves out, climb out. But what was your resolve to hang in there and turn it around? The resolve is it's a, it's a family business and this is what all we knew was our livelihood and not just ours. It was our staff's livelihood as well. So they depended on us to provide for them. And it really took, it's like, I'm going to figure this out. Uh, We're going to make this work and I'm going to figure it out. So, you know, like I said, by the end of that year, I had a thousand dollar net profit. We were in the black. But you paid everything off. You got, you, you found yourself uh, breathing air, right? We were to the point we owed nobody else. Everything was paid off by the end of the year. So one way or the other, we made it work. And then that's when I decided to uh, look at getting some outside help. My brother and I argued about it because he looks at things different than I did. I look at the future as an investment, not as an expense. I researched and, you know, I've been to these training classes with like Rick White and all that. A couple of them were hitting me hard, like, hey, we can help. So I reached out and with some arm twisting, I joined uh, 180 Biz. That was my first business coach. It was phenomenal. My eyes were open. It's like, okay, here's what I need to know, like your, your key profit indicators. Here, here's, what, here's how you figure this out. Here's how to do this. Here's how. It took me a while to understand everything and implement it. But once uh, with the help of the coaching, we got to a profitable cash, positive cash flow business by the end of the second year. Good for you. Now, how long ago was that? Six, seven years ago. Okay, six or seven years. I mean, we hear a lot about what it takes for a company, an individual to join a coaching company, depending on how, how struggling they are and how long it takes. You know, I hear three to five years, so it's probably the right number. And I want to congratulate you for making that step. There are so many shop owners 
that are in the same position you are. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but they just loved doing what they're doing. Either it's a family hand down or they've been at it for 10, 15 years. And deep down inside, they know that there's so much more to do, to get, profit to make, et cetera, et cetera. You said to yourself, I'm going to make a go of this thing. This is a family legacy stuff. And I've got to go out and learn about the things that I don't know. It is. You have to do what you got to do. It's funny. I had a customer ask me a while, a long time ago, hey, you're living a dream. I'm like, well, I'm living a dream. Wait a minute. Oh, stop there. Stop there. Isn't that the truth? You're living the dream. The outside perception of you is so different than reality. Yep. My initial dream was to join military full time. I wanted to be a combat chopper pilot. That was my dream. I wanted to fly the Apache and um, I was going to become a technician. I was enrolled in, in um, it was called Penn College in Williamsport. Then I was going to go out to Michigan to become a, a mechanical technician to finish up a four year degree. Parents went with a different venture and um, knew I didn't have the mechanical skills that my brother did. He got it more than I did. I could still do it, but I really don't know all the ins and outs of being a mechanic. But So they wanted me more in the office because that's back in the 80s, we first started getting new computers and um, they knew I had more skill level at the office level. So that's where I dropped college in a heartbeat and went listed in the army on my 18th birthday. But I didn't. I sat there and I asked the recruiter, look, what do I need to do to fly choppers? And they, you know, it's just, it was on my 18th birthday. I did it from, I surprised my parents when I got home that night. They said, yeah, I just enlisted in the army. But sitting there talking to the recruiter, asking him about, you know, my dream and, and a goal. He said, uh, well, you're talking at least five years. Well, you know, 17, 18 year old, five years is an eternity. And I'm like, well, what else do you got? So I wound up joining the Army Reserves for eight years and still did the family business. But that was, you know, so I was like, when somebody says you're living the dream, yeah, it's a dream, but it wasn't my dream. But this is all I know. This is my business. This has been my family livelihood. It's a legacy that I wanted to carry on for my parents. I was hoping my children and even, or my brother's kid would want to be part of it and make it a third generation business. At this point, I'd say it's going to stop at second generation, but you know, things can change. It may become a third generation. I don't know. That's okay. You'll have a way to succeed the business either through sale or an internal candidate. I find it interesting that you weren't a mechanic, but you were involved in the business to the point where you were on the counter, you were in the office. Yep. I was on the counter in the office. Uh, we did get our first computers in 1986, 87. And I figured out how to use the computer. Yeah. But think about cash management. The cash is coming in, it's going to the bank, but you never had a chance to see the bank records. You never had a chance to see a profit or a loss statement if they're, if you were even having them done. We have no clue. None of those records. My mom kept things manually. So until it took forever to figure out all her backend paperwork because it wasn't recorded properly in QuickBooks when we started using QuickBooks and a lot of things have changed. And this is just eight years ago, okay? And so people say, well, that doesn't happen today. No, I bet you it's going on today, still in small, tightly run family businesses. And I think that's why the story here is so powerful, that if you're a family member in a business and you don't quite really know what's going on and you're getting to that ripe old seasoned age, <laughs> I don't know what that is, 30, 40, 50, doesn't matter. This is your career. You want this so badly. You want this business to succeed to you. Yet, 
you don't know enough about it to even make that commitment. Brett is telling this story for that particular reason. I have no business background. You know, I didn't go to college. I got my education through the uh, Uncle Sam, through the military. So I have no college. I have no business background, no mechanical background. But yet I figured a way to make it work with outside help to help me learn how to actually run, not just an automotive business, but a business period. It takes a lot of effort to do that. I will never not have a business coach. I highly encourage anybody that is in this situation, if you're lost and you can't figure it out or don't have an idea what to do, get help. Get somebody from the outside to get help you take that next step. That's why we have all of our business coaches on so often to get their wisdom passed on. It's almost like listen to the show and get yourself some free coaching advice. I don't want to speak ill of your mom at all, but do you think she was embarrassed that she didn't want to show you anything? I think we had talked about digging a hole. I think it got to a point where she had dug a hole. And yes, I believe she was totally embarrassed with the situation that not only with the business side that she got into, but her personal finances as well. They were just as a mess and dad had no clue about them as well. So all this was hidden. It can create a lot of problems within a relationship of any type, whether it's a marital or family relationship. I don't hide anything. Be honest, you know, get the help you need to get out of where you're at. I mean, there's never a hole deep enough that you can't figure out how to crawl out. Well said, well said. I'm going to go back to the embarrassed thing. There was a point that I learned and I realized a long time ago that secret sauce, everybody says, ah, sorry, no, I'm not going to join that networking group. Nope, I'm not going to get on that Zoom call. Nope, I'm not going to join. I don't want to share my secret sauce with anyone. I'm not going to have coffee with the guy down the street because I don't want to share my secret sauce with anyone. Secret sauce is embarrassment. That's what I come to find out because the people that are so successful, they share all the time because there are no secrets. It's your personality. It's your hard work. It's your commitment to culture that sets you apart, that gives you differentiation. However, secret sauce, no, it is embarrassment to really undress in front of the group. And along with that karma, it's a matter of being truthful to yourself and then, you know, okay, hey, We've all, most of us have probably done stuff we shouldn't have never done. We've gotten into situations we shouldn't have never been there. It's how you pick yourself up and be truthful with yourself and say, look, I made a mistake. I'm going to correct that mistake and not make it a second time and put the effort in to work yourself out of that situation. I mean, that's how we all learn. If you don't fail, you don't learn. I got to tell you, Brad, take me back to the day that you started to realize all this was, you had this huge hole. I mean, who helped you through it? I reached out to my accountant. We reached out to the, you know, the family attorney that helped my parents with the business. I did a lot of soul searching. My brother and I talked. He's like, okay, we're actually running this business now because dad was taking care of mom her last couple months and, uh, you know, basically pretty much retired. He was done which they should have been retired a while ago, but mom refused. And we find out why she refused to even retire because of the situation that she had left us in. And um, a lot of help. You know, I reached out to my peers, my fellow shop owners in the area to say, hey, I, what can I do? And then 
you know, someone was saying, go for the coaching. And I've been to the trainings. I believe heavily in training. I will invest a, a lot of money throughout the year for my staff and myself to attend training or training events, whatever, because this industry is a tough industry. And if you don't constantly stay on top of it, you could fall behind pretty quick. But a lot of people helped me through it. A couple of the key vendors that we deal with, uh, Napa being one of them, my local Napa guy, and the coach, Rick White, helped me a ton. Rick, great guy. Hey, I saw you at ASTE. That's when we first met. I loved your story, which is now why you're on. But your entire team going to ASTE, tell me, what do they come up to you during and then after the conference? Because I love to encourage our industry to do more of this? My parents always went to training events or, you know, like a day training if somebody like Finn Waterhouse would come in and stuff like that. But I don't think they ever invested for the whole team to go as a unit. You know, the techs would go to tech trainings at, you know, and they're in, usually in the evenings or a full day Saturday. I made the investment two years ago. It's like once the business was financially positive with cash flow, which was a huge feeling. It's like, look, I can afford to take my staff and pay for the entire trip. That was a, a huge feeling that made me happy that I could do this. So when I got to that point, I made the choice to talk to my staff and say, look, I want to start doing some of these major training events and I want to take the whole team. So we two years ago, we went down to ASTE for the first time and they loved it. They all got stuff out of the trade. Don't get me wrong. It was more the fact of it was a team building effort. We came back with a, a much happier environment. People, we got to know each other a lot better outside of the work environment. And uh, just for instance, I took a seminar that year on getting to know the Gen Z and the millennials. I'll bet you that was with Sarah Frazier. Yes, it was. And there should have been a packed room of shop owners in that, but there was three. Three shop owners and then a young millennial sitting there with, I guess it was her friend or husband, I don't know. I got a ton out of that class to understand them. And I have, my young tech is one of these, this generation. And when we were sitting around at the uh, Airbnb that night, I was telling him about, first off, some of the acronyms that they use. <laughs> I know. And then I said, look, I said, I got to know, understand them a little bit more because they think different. It's not that they're lazy. They work differently than me as an old school guy, you know? And I said, look, I think I'm going to, Turn some of the social media stuff. He said, dude, I've been wanting to talk to you about that. That's team building right there. You're getting them involved in your everyday business. Not only will they prosper, but you will prosper and the whole overall environment prospers. And then your customers ultimately pay the price of a positive outlook. A great outlook. I echo the uh, how upset you are and that I am that Sarah didn't have a lot of people in that class. And... Understanding Gen Z is really more important than I think a lot of us realize. I did an episode with Sarah and a young man named Owen Chambers, a very young 20-something technician with a four-year business degree from local college. I was so impressed with the things that he said about his world and his life and wh what he does for social and how much he'd like to make. I mean, it's a great episode. It was a Town Hall Academy, 347, Town Hall 347. Just go to the website, type in Gen Z, J-E-N space Z. And you were talking about the acronyms. They were testing me at the end. Sarah was asking me, Carm, do you know what this means? 
you know, like the FOMO and stuff like that. But the, the Gen Z's acronyms and slang, and I was clueless because here I'm a boomer. Carm, I was taking pictures of every screen she was putting up there because I was like, I ain't, I'm not going to remember all this stuff. But, you know, even my generation, you know, I'm in my mid 50s. So we had our own slang and our parents looked at us cross-eyed like, what are you talking about? And we have to pay attention to this. We have to know if our businesses are going to last, succeed, grow, build themselves to be behemoth successful companies, Gen Z, millennials and Gen Z got to be on staff. They have to, we got to bring them on. That's why I was shocked that not a lot of owners, that class wasn't packed. Because if you're talking about bringing in the next generation of these younger technicians or business owners, you can't just operate your business without trying to change and appease them because you'll never get them in your door. Yeah, here's what it reminds me of. Thank you for bringing this up, by the way. Don't mean to soapbox you on this, but we'll go to a class on cash flow management. We'll go to a class on technician productivity, effective labor rate, and technicians will go back to a basic electric and learn stuff from it and say, ah, finally, I got it. It finally sunk in. This is great. Ooh, there's a left turn. There's a right turn. And you continue to immerse yourself in all that learning. The generational thing is just as critical and just as important. Why? Because it evolves more than a financial statement would that's pretty much locked. Okay. How you get a financial statement there requires a lot of heavy lifting. I get that. But the generation, it's evolving and we have to pay attention to it. And I encourage anyone to catch one of those seminars. And in fact, all the stuff we've ever done on generations on the show. And that's why I continue to do them because it's a moving target. It is. And it, you hear the shop owners in all these classes. Well, I can't get text. Yes, we probably realize there is a tech shortage because let's face it, the automotive industry is not an easy industry to enter. It takes a skill level. It takes an investment in time and it's manual labor, but it is a rewarding industry. And the only way you're going to do that is you've got to encourage this next generation that this is an industry that you need to be in. And if you don't want to change and adapt to attract the younger people, you're going to be lost. Shows like you and, and you're trying to get the word out. This We need to change. This industry needs to change on a good fact. Unfortunately, some of the older people, they don't want to change. They just want to keep doing day by day. And you know, I made that decision a long time ago. I could have just, like you said, we started to show up. I could have left the business just die. Well, we keep impressing upon so many people in the industry about advancing the aftermarket. And there's a lot of people that constantly come on and listen and subscribe to the show. We're on everybody's pod favorite podcast player. Just subscribe to the show. We've got our own Carm Capriato YouTube channel. All of our shows are on YouTube, so you can watch what goes on here with, with us in, in the studio. You're going to hit some uh, sales milestones this year. What did you do to get those the sales numbers to drive? First off, that takes a lot of car count. What you have to do is you almost, we've been doing DVIs for seven, eight years, almost since the inception of the idea with Autovitus. And uh, if you're not doing DVIs and you're just doing what the car came in for and shipping it back out the door, you're leaving a lot of money on the table. So doing a proper DVI, letting your service writer, whoever's doing your service, estimate everything on there, educating the consumer as to why you're recommending it. Not only why it was in there, but you you know, the proper way to do it. You you do their initial concern first, uh, anything you saw that you really should address because the customer wasn't aware of it, and then the recommended services. Educating the customer is what's going to make the sale. 
And I know the economic times, it's, it's especially now, I mean, we're coming into the end of the end of the year towards the holidays. So people are not spending like they used to, but that helps drive sales. We are not in the car repair business. It's been said many times. We are in the people business. And until you get to that point to understand you are in the people business, you just fix cars. That's where the sales come from. And that's what drives revenue. And to answer your question, there's a goal that I got. You know, it's at 1 million sales, which we've never been anywhere close. If I'd have a good quarter, which right now it's not trending that way to the end of the year, I would be very close to hitting that goal. So I'm about 20% higher than last year's revenue. Good for you. Good milestone. Well, at least you know in your mind exactly what your goals are. That's great. Now let's go and switch gears. Talk about this Craft Brew Local podcast. You must love beer, number one. I do. I'm a beer guy. The podcast idea came from actually up at Tools in the Poconos a couple years ago. That's uh, my association's training event, the Alliance of Automotive Service Providers. So I sat in with uh, Lucas and David, and they asked me to sit in while they were recording that year, and I never did one before. And you got the bug, huh? And then you decided to go home and, and sit out with some friends? Yeah, I was like, damn, this was fun. At that time, my neighbors and I, we were already doing a craft beer night once a month. We'd get together and we'd all bring stuff to the table. And I even made up scorecards and, and stuff to, to score the beers and record it. And when I came away from doing that podcast with those guys, I was like, we can make this a podcast. So we kind of took two months to figure it out because I'm not, I was a disc jockey back in the day. I did 15 years of DJing. So I had some audio background. My neighbor played in a band, so he had some audio background, but none of us did video and figured out, but we figured it out. Uh, we're going two years in now and it's called the Central PA Poor. And the idea was to let us get comfortable doing it on our own. And then we start bringing guests in and featuring local brewers what, or whatever and let them talk about their product and their business. So I don't know, we're up to what, 60 episodes, I think close, two releases a month. And um, as we speak, I just recorded with two brewers back to back and they want to do uh through my own recipe because I have a vanilla bourbon stout that I just kegged. Oh, wait a minute, the Brett brew? I do. Yeah, we brew it too. What are you going to call it? You're going to call it the Brett brew? Uh, at this point, I think I'm going to be calling it Jiminy Bean. It's a vanilla bourbon American stout. Jiminy Bean. Because I use Jim Beam as the bourbon back end. Oh, wow. So I'm going to take a, a little play off the word Jim and use Jiminy like Jiminy Christmas and, and the bean for the vanilla side of it. It is so clever. I love that. And I like my bourbon too. That's got to be a woof. I just had some the other day because it's now been in the keg about a week. So it's nice and creamy. It's got a good coffee note in the back end of it. The vanilla hits your nose and then just a hint of the Jim Beam. Man, this is how I talk about Cabernet. <laughs> All those kind of flavors and aromas. Oh my, my. And that's so cool. Anyway, how would people want to get a chance to see it? How, how can they watch the uh, the podcast? Look us up wherever you get your audio platforms at Central PA Poor. Uh, we're on YouTube at Central PA Poor, uh, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. At Central PA Poor, that would be P-O-U-R, right? Correct, yep. Even though it does make us poor. <laughs> Brett, thank you for coming on and sharing this very private transparent discussion about the challenges that are going on that went on at your family business and how you recovered from that. I think so many people will appreciate this story. Any final words? No, I appreciate you uh, 
having me on, Carm. Uh, hopefully somebody does get something out of it and there's never an end. So dig deep, you know, put the work in and you, uh, you can survive it and come out on the other end. Very positive. Thank you, man. It's very good information. I appreciate it. Brett Fadley from Fadley's Auto Masters and Tires in York, PA. Come back on. Tell us how that uh, how your own brew tasted someday, okay? Oh, I can do that. I, can, uh, I can't ship it because I'm not a seller. I love drinking. I'll meet you halfway, Binghamton. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> we can do that. <laughs> we'll do some swapping. Thank you, man. All right. Thanks, Carl. Thanks for being on board to listen and learn from the premier automotive aftermarket podcast. Until next time.